My name is Tim Wilson, and welcome to Kaz Inspire Story, a brand new podcast from Computing at School, where we shine a light on some of our most inspiring educators. In this podcast, we will find out more about some fantastic people, what has led them to a career in education, their hopes for the teaching profession, their successes, their challenges faced, and how they have overcome them. Along the way, we hope to provide you with some tips and tricks, especially those of you who are new to teaching, alongside what we can do to make teaching more diverse and inclusive. Our guest today is Joe Hodge. Joe is a Year 6 teacher and Learning and Technology Lead at Our Lady of Lord in Southport. She has been a CAS Master teacher and community leader for the past seven years, and more recently became a Barefoot Ambassador. Currently, within her school role, Jo is acting in an advisory role in primary computing as lead practitioner at Hope University. Jo particularly enjoys tinkering with physical devices such as crumbles, microbits and spheros. So Jo, hello and welcome. Hi Tim, thanks for having me today. A pleasure. Um, So let's start with some background questions. Um, How long have you worked in education and what led you to it? Well, I've been working in education for 18 years. um, And basically, before that, I was a restaurant manager at McDonald's for 12 years. And I had my second child, my daughter. And I decided that maybe it was time to try something else. I was sick of working weekends and 14-hour shifts. So I decided to become a teacher. And nothing really changed. But, however, um, I was inspired, really, because my mum and dad were both teachers. My mum was a nursery head. And my dad was a lecturer and they'd always said that I was wasting my talents, but I needed to do something to deploy them. So that's what happened. Brilliant. So it appears that uh, education is very ingrained in the family. So um, actually going even further back then, um, what was your own experience of computing like? How do you think (laughs) (laughs) and how do you think it could have been improved? Uh, right. My experience in computing, well, you've probably heard this before, Tim. It was like, I think we had about five BBC computers stuck in a room at the top of like the block yeah. that no one ever went to. And I think you just did the dust off whenever you went in. Um, and I only vaguely remember playing Pong. I think that was it. That was the one game that it could play. And I think we learned throughout Hello World and that was it. And I had no idea what we were doing. And it was just pretty poor, to be honest. I can't even remember who even taught the subject and how many days we did. I think it did like two days and that was it. So a bit rubbish, really, sadly. I'm also a student of the whole uh, BBC micro, um, or sorry, a kid of the whole BBC micro generation. So I can relate to very many of those things that you said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So coming, uh, coming forwards to present day, um, obviously at the time of recording, uh, we're in the midst of a pandemic. So I was wondering um, how... You have coped with this in your teaching. Um, what are the challenges that you have encountered and how have you dealt with them? Well, I mean, I think I don't think I'm going to be speaking, saying anything different than anybody else. Well, I mean, I think in my whole 18 years of teaching, this is possibly the most challenging time I've ever had. Um, and I'm pretty much sure there'll be people in the same boat as me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the thing is, I think it's just that you know, we've been presented with this situation and we've had to adapt really quickly. And even from the last lockdown, this is very different. The second lockdown is very different to the first one because the first one as a school, we sort of had Google Classroom, but it was more used for building apps and, and emails. We weren't really using it as a sort of remote learning device at that point. So we had to adapt very quickly. So in March, it was very much we were using the website, uploading content. But we all realised, soon realised that there was no 
There was no way you could get feedback from give feedback to the children. You had no idea what was coming backwards and forwards. You don't even know if they were even engaging in the tasks. Mm. So um, over the summer, I basically we set up Google Classroom. We got the DFE funding and we set that up and we went with that. And in September, I just said, let's get the homework on. Let's everyone get used to the platform, get playing with it. Get and then within a couple of weeks, we had a year for the whole of our year fours went down and they had to remote learning. So it was literally they call it a baptism of fire, don't they? But that's what it was. We literally went from zero to hero in, in a, literally a matter of weeks. Um, and now, you know, I am really proud of the staff, the way that they've adapted and, and developed. You know, they're all like, we're all in these meetings now. We're talking over a meeting as we speak. You know, these are a regular occurrence now. Everyone talks about Zoom and these words weren't in the dictionary, were they? I mean, I think the college dictionary came up with a whole raft of new words, didn't they? So these are the challenges that everyone's faced. Uh, has faced sorry. So over time, you know, I think we'll get better and better, but at the moment, I'm really proud of where my staff are and where our school has, has come to, you know, at this point Amazing. in terms of online delivery and things like that. Fantastic. What motivates your teaching? What motivates my teaching? That's a difficult question. What motivates my teaching? I mean, I think it's got to be, I mean, I still, in any sort of teaching where we're talking about computing education, it's more like I still like the Eureka moment. I still like seeing the children in any sort of lesson, really, is that, that when you see that realization that they've actually got something that was a really difficult concept and they've managed to understand it that's what you feed off as a teacher you know you feed off the children learning something new and being engaged in what you've planned or what you've developed and that that for me still motivates me even now because I mean 18 years down the line you know it, it, I said this before it's a long way in but you still want to sort of engage those children don't you and get them enjoying learning and being focused and that's the important for me. It's the children because I mean I left a managerial role before, and that's what I was missing. It was that interaction and that, as I say, that eureka, that moment when they suddenly get something and it's the, the penny drops, isn't it? They call it the penny drop moment. Yeah. You no, know, that still means an awful lot even now. All the other stuff goes along with it. That's great. All the administration things and that, but it's it's still about the children for me, and that's why I, I went into teaching really. And I think you've um, I think you've answered the next question in many regards. Um, or maybe you haven't. Um, so what in, in that regard, what is the biggest reward of teaching computer science uh, or computing? Is it the kids or is it something else? Well, I think it's two pronged, actually. It is the kids. Um, and as I say, it's that moment of, you know, particularly with codes or anything like that, they've just really struggled with the concept. It could have been, you know, just it could be just getting the sprite to move across the screen and scratch. It could be something really simple that they've struggled with. And suddenly they do it. And that, that expression is is magical, isn't it? You've got it. You can't you can't bottle it. But, you know, it is a magical feeling of them. But from my point of view, I've come from a background of no computer science training whatsoever. You know, as we said before, you know. Pong on BBC computer that was about it really so I've come from nothing so for me I'm learning with the children as well does that make sense so yeah. it's a double thing really um that I'm getting something out of it because I'll have children in my coding classes even now my year sixes will come up with something and I'll go gosh I never thought of that you know even now so that's great you know it's never boring is it there's never a dull day when you're in a computing lesson there's always something new that you could find out I think yeah, I mean, there's, there's that old adage that um, it's the kids that teach you, not the other way around. And I, I often think that that in computing in particular, that that actually rings very true. Um, don't know how you feel. Definitely, yeah. yeah. No, I do, and I and I know there are times where you'll you'll 
you know yourself, you'll start at a session or something like that and you'll say, here we go, this is an idea, this is what I want to look at. You've maybe looked at a bit of code reading or you you know, unpick the code or whatever. And then you say, okay, here we go. I want you to use that and come up with something. And they'll always come up with something that's just like, wow, I never, I never thought about that. And then, and then, I mean, there's many a time in my co-op after school, you know, I had a coder one year, it's like two years ago. He was amazing at coding. He was like a gifted coder, you know, he could come up with stuff. But we sat down together and we actually sat there together and worked out what he needed to do because he wanted to do something special with his programme. And we sat there together and worked it out together. And I don't think there's not, you know, that's the joy of computing, isn't it? And he didn't at all feel that I was an idiot because I was helped. We were doing it together. It was it was like a sort of like we both when we both succeeded, we're like, oh, that's brilliant. You know what I mean? And I never felt an idiot. And he and he was he wasn't in any way looking down on me. And I think we come to I think there's a question, isn't it, about, you know, how you feel as a teacher you should never ever feel that it doesn't matter if the kids know more than you it doesn't you know in, in computing particular I don't think it matters I think you know and you can say you can be honest with them can't you and say oh I don't know or let's have a go let's find out together that's a good one isn't it why don't you find out for me that's a good <laughs> that's the usual teacher statement isn't it but yeah so and I think um I think a related question to what you've talked about is um or maybe again, it could be something different. But who inspires you in education, and why? Who inspires me in education? Yeah. I think. Well, obviously, we said about the children, obviously, but I think it's fellow people. I mean, I'm going to say something a bit cheesy now, and it will sound a bit cheesy, but you know, those cas chats on a Tuesday night. I mean, it is. It's a really nice time. It's networking with fellow teachers. That's who you learn from, isn't it? You know, you can go on all these courses all you want, but things like Cas Chat, you're there chatting about something, and someone will mention a resource, and you'll go, "Oh yeah, what does that do?" And then you go and you find out. I mean, I think through the Cas Chat, or even on the Twitter feed from Cas, I found something about this new tool called Moat, where you can put it on your Google Classroom and you can give verbal feedback by recording it. I thought, wow, that sounds interesting. How'd it go? Shared it with the staff. And I've got loads of staff coming to me now going, wow, that Joe, we really love that. We love that um, that Moat thing. It's brilliant, isn't it? So it's, you know, you don't find out about things like that if you're not in those sort of communities. You know, I think that's that's an important thing. And, you know, there might be things that you can't sort of, say something about on the CAS community but at the same time you get an awful lot from it as well and you know yourself you get lots of ideas and there'll be things there that you've never used or you might have used and someone's used them in a different way I think you know in any sort of a learning from your fellow teachers for me has been a massive one and you know CAS for me has been a massive one because I came from nothing trained did the old master teacher thing I remember seeing a little link on the bottom of the you know and they sent the new program through the new computing program through and the and it was a little link at the bottom if you want to become a uh, want to a bit more training click on this link well there we go when you know and then ended up where I am now so I think definitely CAS for me has been I know and it sounds cheesy but it has it started my journey and I'm still in it now as I know I'm, I'm training to be a CAS coach at the moment to help people who've just done the GCSE accelerator course so it takes you. It's taken me on a journey that I never expected, but Brilliant. and we've waved off the question. Okay, <laughs> not at all. And in fact, you've you've, prompt, you've prompted my next question, which is, um, what has been the most important thing that supported your journey into computing or computer science? Definitely, Kaz. I mean, I, I, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I still remember going to Sheffield Hallam Uni and doing these training courses and learning about switches and thinking I had no idea what on earth they were talking about. We were plugging things in, and um, probably still don't know what they're talking about to be honest. Um, but 
because we were getting trained to a higher level but it was so it was really eye-opening you know and and it was it was different it was so you know I'm not been to a university for a few years so it was quite nice to go back and, and do all that and be part of that environment and I think with CAS I mean we know they say it's voluntary and all that but I'm a big believer in you know if something comes along and it's offered you should take it whether you know it's not about the money as, as the whole Jesse J will say because it isn't really um and a lot of the roles that I've taken on like the barefoot ambassador role you know the CAS well, I'm called a CAS ambassador now, which makes me laugh. But, um, you know, but these roles that you take on, you've got to give a little bit to get it back. And I've given, you know, you give something and you do get a lot back in return. So for me, it is cheesy to say it, but CAS has definitely been the instigator of my journey and still is, really. Brilliant. What advice would you give to a new teacher um, of, com- of computing or computer science? What in terms of starting in their school, you know, what would you do if you walked in? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, I think it's too easy to go in and say, this is all rubbish, let's start again. They call the phrase, throw, what is it, throw the baby out with the bathwater, don't there's the famous phrase, you know. It's too easy for people to do that now, all this new stuff. That, the thing is, when I first started, as you probably know, Tim, when it first came out, this new curriculum, there was really hardly anything was there. It was like literally yeah. nothing. And now there's almost like too much in a way. And it's like where, as a teacher coming into this, it's like, where on earth do I start? I mean, obviously, you signpost them to all the key places like Barefoot, Raspberry Pi, Microbit, NCCE. You know, there's all of those key sort of places you'd start them to. But I would say to them, you know, look at what you've got. Look at where you are. Look at what doesn't fit. You know, because I think sometimes it's too easy to go, oh, well, let's just get rid of the whole curriculum. Not every curriculum is, you know, make your own, bespoke it, make it what you need it to be. I don't, I don't have, like, all NCA, CCA, I don't have all barefoot. I have a mixture of everything because, you know, we bought into Rising Stars right at the beginning, but it doesn't fit with our curriculum now. And I've changed our curriculum and I've interspersed other things. But that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be one 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 shop, one, what is it, one stop shop. Because there isn't, it doesn't always work, does it? Not with computing and not with what you've got in your, your school as well. You know, some schools might have Chromebooks, some schools might have laptops, some schools might have, you know, physical devices, others don't. You know, some might have three iPads between the whole school. I mean, it, you know what I mean? So you've got to do what works for you and not be jealous of, I think the thing is we do get a bit jealous of what other people have oh, yes. <laughs> We do, we get, we get computing technology envy. But, you know, look at what you've got and don't panic by, you know, audit what you, your resources are. I think that would be the fit. I would say to them, you know, and don't expect it all to happen overnight because it won't. Yeah. It takes time to yeah. build. Absolutely. I guess as an addition to the the question on what advice you give to a new teacher, what would you what advice would you give to a new leader of computing in a primary school? Yeah, I mean, I think it's very similar. I mean, I think um, when I first started, there was something called the ICT mark, the NACE ICT mark, which is still out about now, and they did a really good. And there's a 360 degree one as well. I used their audits, and I just basically audited the subject because I had no idea where to start. And I think sometimes those sort of documents and the stuff out there, you know, have a look at what's expected of a computer lead. You know, what is your role about? Because obviously you've got to do a lot with computing, particularly. There's a lot of training, isn't there? You've got to train staff if you bought anything. There's no good buying a fantastic new resource like a Spear and then no one else has to use it. It's pointless, isn't it? So you've got to be able to do that training as well. But I think first starting out, I would definitely just, you know, audit what you've got and look at things like the ICT mark self-evaluation form because they're really good at honing in what's missing and you know and then you can focus and you can get like an action plan together and think about what you need to do first before because otherwise you're just going to end up running around like a headless turkey or headless chicken 
and you know and you're not going to know where you're going to go with it so uh, you know i would definitely recommend looking at some sort of audit resource i know cas have got one as well now i think haven't they a new audit resource as well so they could use that there's so many things out there i would point them in that direction first and say just take stock for and then think about where you want to go and prioritize you know it might be one year you prioritize well we need a decent policy or we need something and then move on from there you know you know make a list of priorities rather than try and do everything at once I, I kind of I completely concur, concur what you're saying, and I think also um, you are you have the um, the ability now to con- converse with other teachers. Um, and actually, one of the one of the best things that's come out of this um, whole pandemic situation has been the ability to connect with teachers across the country. And um, the online the online um, element of doing everything online for CAS has meant that we've been able to connect yeah. teachers up with other teachers who and uh, no matter where they are at it's a safe space <laughs> you can yeah you can you can bring your share your schemes of work or you know ask questions to people mm-hmm. who you think are more sort of have a peer model or peer role model effect yeah. on it. no it, it, it's really been very beneficial i think and i mean i would add to that tim by saying you know if you know your local cast community get down there you know join that as well yeah because i think you know it's still trying to get that word out there that these communities are here. I mean, I know in the summer we had a really good intake, didn't we? Because there was lots of different things going on. Um, and we want to try and maintain that really and get people involved. But I think for some reason, I think they think they need to be experts or but it's not at all about that, is it? It's about just joining in and having the chat. Because there'll all be something that you can I think it's a I think it's about confidence, isn't it? It's believing in what you're doing a little bit. And sometimes joining meetings like that and talking like the CAS chat, saying what you're doing and someone says, oh, yeah, that's great. We're doing this or whatever. It's sort of, I don't know, it like rubber stamps what you're doing a little bit, doesn't it? To say, well, actually, yeah, that's obviously not a bad thing that I'm doing there. It's obviously quite worthwhile. Yeah. Joining those networks, like you said, is really important. Definitely Absolutely. would be a good, a good place to start as well. Mm. Really, really good points. Um, a few more questions before I get to the quick fire question bit, uh, as oh, I call no. it. Uh, <laughs> Can you give us um, a few examples of how you've encouraged uh, an inclusive or a, div- a diverse environment in, in the classroom? I mean, in terms of a diverse environment, I mean, any teacher will tell you that they plan for a diverse environment anyway, because that's we do something called the quality first approach, if you've heard of that, where every lesson should be planned to sort of include all of those children anyway, any of any sort of ability, really. One of the things that I found that works really well for me in terms of computer science, if that's what we're, what we're talking about really today, is physical computing. Using physical devices really does level the playing field. Um, things like, you know, like a crumble, for example, planning lessons that are cross-curricular that link into other subjects so that they can spread their knowledge over. Um, I think, you know, we did Roman chariots with year four. I planned a unit for them. And that that was really nice because they're building something. So it's that practical kinesthetic element, but then it's got the coded element that goes alongside it. So that's really good for sort of an inclusive environment. Um, Paired programming, everyone knows about paired programming. But sometimes what I do is I will have some of my more able pupils pair up with a less able people, which people say, oh, well, maybe the more able takes over, but actually not. If you pair them correctly, those more able pupils will offer support. It's, it's who you pair them with. You've got to be thinking about your class, haven't you? Because you will have children who will just take over. Same ability pairings work really well as well, because then it's, it's evenly matched, isn't it? Things like that. 
Um, I tried co-club ambassadors, which are like your digital leaders as well, which went in to support the less able and other classes as well. So older children going down and supporting the younger children. That's a really good way as well to support the teacher. Um, what else have I done? Uh, oh, yeah, practical sort of physical activities like, you know, code reading, breaking up, you know, cutting up the code, cutting stick activity. You know, those sort of activities are really good for children who struggle, those kinesthetic type activities. And in terms of Google as well, we I use PowerPoint quite a lot with mine to work in groups where they each have to do a slide each so they're all engaged in it. Because often you'll find with children, we might step back a little bit and not take a key role in the learning. So if you do it that way, it means they've got to take part and they've all got to have a go with that then. And they get the support from their peers in terms of what, oh, you make sure you do that slide or whatever. So they get a little bit of guidance, but it's a bit more independent for them. Great, thank you. What's your top resource that you've used in the classroom? Well, you know, I couldn't think of one. I can't think of one. Um, what did I write down on my list? I wrote a few, but I mean, I absolutely love the crumble. That is one of my favourites. Yeah. And I'm really good at the moment because I can't really use it because of the way things are. It's a bit hard. Um, Spheros, I love Spheros as well, uh, particularly for younger children. They're nice. They're a nice development from Bbox. In terms of sort of like apps, as I said before, Moat. I love Moat at the moment. That's one of my favourite ones. Kahoot always... Coop quizzing, just brilliant. That's really good because we, in our school, we do a daily catch-up session every day with our class. So I have a different activity each day that I meet them. So it's not just a chat activity, but we do something with that time. And uh, they do love a Kahoot quiz. That's a really good one. And it's one that you can do remotely quite easily. So that is a really good app. And another one I've just found recently was Thunkable because I used to use App Inventor for my apps. Yeah. And I, I had a play with Thunkable on the train home from a CAS course last year. And um, I thought, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that when we start to do apps. So that's my other latest one that I really like too. Well, there's loads. There is. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Good suggestions though. You can go on <laughs> Okay, the bit you've probably been most looking forward to. Quick fire questions. So I'm going to throw some questions. Oh, well. Yeah. Go on then. Um, and uh, as, and give one word answers or as close to one. Yeah, it can be a few words as well. But here we go. All right. Okay. Your most treasured classroom possession. Whiteboard and my laptop, definitely. It's two. I'm sorry. That's all right. Your favourite app, other than Moat. We've just said. <laughs> uh, we've said Dunkable. We've said that already. Cute. Oh, Scratch Three as well. Quite like Scratch Three because it's online and we can use our iPads. Yeah. Cool. That's good for that one. Your favourite computing technology movie. Tron. Tron. There you go. There's a good bit of retro for the kids there. Go and watch Tron. Um, if you can invent something to make your work better, what would it be? Marking robot. Marking robot. I, you, I probably a load of teachers who be what listening to this now are going to be going, yeah, marking robot. Absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> one word to describe yourself. Enthusiastic. That is very true. Uh, Biggest, your biggest role model growing up? It's got to be my mum and dad, my parents. Yeah. Every time, because they were inspirational teachers, so definitely. A top book on education or computing education? This was a hard one to think of, really, but I used to have this Coding for Beginners, which was a really basic scratch book, which was brilliant because there was loads of little projects when I started out, and it's still useful now because I photocopy it and use it with the kids, so... Yeah. I think it's like a Doring Kingsley or something like that. But I tell you what, nice little projects in it. Brilliant. Your favourite day of the week and why? Well, I'm going to tell a lie and then a truth. So the, the, the lie is Monday because I teach computing. So that's one of my favourite days because that's obviously being primary, I teach everything. Um, 
But then the truth is Friday, as I call it, Friday, because we all know why Friday is the favourite day of the week. I don't think I need to answer that one, really, as a teacher. It might be the most common answer that we do in this podcast series. Let's see if that's true. Um, yeah. Friday or Monday, I reckon, will be probably be very commonly answered. Uh, finally, your, um, the best bit of advice ever given. Right. Well, again, this is a hard question, Tim, isn't it, to think about that? But I put, I okay to learn with the children and not know everything. But then I wrote afterwards, not sure if that was me that thought of that. Like, <laughs> but definitely that, that was mine. That would be mine. I think on I think that's a really sound bit of advice on which to end with. So, um, Joe, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed being uh, on Kaz Inspire Story. I did. Thanks very much for having me today, Tim. It was uh, definitely inspiring. Thank you very much. Bye.